This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth planners and investment managers who offer unwavering support in challenging times. Visit candowealth.com for more information. Welcome to the Saturday edition of Coffee House Shots. I'm James Seif and I'm delighted to be joined by Anthony Selden, who is the biographer of not just, I would say, Prime Ministers, but the very role of Prime Minister itself. Now, on Monday lunchtime, we will have a new Prime Minister, but this Prime Minister won't go into Downing Street having won a general election, but having won an internal party leadership election. Now, Anthony, it strikes me that there are four particular challenges for any Prime Minister who who takes over in these circumstances. First of all, they don't have a personal mandate in the way that someone who's won a general election does. Secondly, because they are taking over midterm, they have less time than someone who has won a general election. Thirdly, they have to find a way to deal with their predecessor. And fourthly, parties only tend to change leader in midterm if things are going wrong. When you look at whoever comes out of this Tory leadership contest on Monday victorious, what do you think the biggest of those four challenges is? Well, they're all really significant, James, and they'll all loom larger and and the lights on them will fade up and down at different points. But I think that not having a mandate is really significant because everyone knows it and you above all know it, and you crave to have that. So what Liz Truss will be desperate for is to engineer the circumstances whereby she is going to be re-elected with a party with a, a decent majority that she can call her own. Not insignificant, perhaps, that her rumoured chief of staff, Mark Fulbrook, is an election specialist, so that might suggest that that sort about how to win, how to unite the party behind the common theme and get the party over the hurdle is going to be really looming large for her. But, you know, James, also taking over towards the end of a long period in power is very difficult. No party, as all listeners <laughs> will know, has won five on the trot since 1832. And it's going to be a challenge, not least in the current economic and industrial circumstances and with the NHS looming so large, which is not to say that it won't be done, but that it will be difficult. So generally speaking, there are particular problems that affect end of long term one party rule, such as a feeling that it's time for a change, a boredom with the leaders, sleaze tends to take over a sense of entitlement to rule. The media tends to get hacked off with the same faces. The best stars are burnt out or have gone off to make money. So there are common characteristics that you'll have to face. As always, Liz Truss, if it is her, will be far better off than knowing history. Now, I was very struck by what you said about trying to, you know, the, the time for a change. The Tories have been in, in office, as you said, for 12 years. And, you know, it's very difficult to say that, that problems are somebody else's fault when you've been in power for 12 years. Right. But, but one of the things that Boris Johnson did quite remarkably was he managed to make his government 
feel new and different. And he he had the political chutzpah to kind of criticise austerity and get away with it. Do you think whoever wins on Monday will be able to portray their government as somehow new, as somehow a break with what went before? Or is it going to feel much more like continuity? Well, that was one of your four points, James. And you are desperate to take over from a failure. And Boris Johnson managed to be a spectacular success and a spectacular failure at the same time. You can only reinvent yourself really once in a long period of one-party dominance. Gordon Brown found that difficult to do. Jim Callaghan did in 1976, and, and John Major did. So, you know, will she have the legroom anyway to, to reinvent anything? Will her agenda be dictated by the exogenous factors bearing down on her? Of course, she'd like to come in with a trussism. Everyone since Thatcher wants an ism. No one has succeeded. Boris might have done. I mean, his ism was cakeism, which was not entirely the ism he wanted. So she'll try, obviously, with a damaged, wounded and hurting party in Parliament and in the country to unite and to show continuities while also showing that she is standing for different things. It will be a, she will be a circus juggler and need to be to get away with all of this. You talked about John Major there, and I mean, there, there is an interesting parallel here because on the Tory side, I cannot think of a politician who has so dominated the political landscape as Boris Johnson, unless you go back to Margaret Thatcher. And I think that, you know, politics has polarised to a Tories' benefit in 2019, I would, I would suggest that in recent by-elections to their detriment, around the question of, you know, are you for or against Boris Johnson? He has been such a big figure. And so I think for that reason, the government will feel different in, in that respect. But when you consider all the challenges that are coming down the track, you mentioned several of them there, Anthony, you know, the economic situation, the NHS is, is clearly struggling at the moment. Do you think the new leader will get a honeymoon or do you think it will be a kind of quite politically brutal from day one? I think she will have a honeymoon, definitely. Not a Gretna Green, but a Balmoral honeymoon. And it will be over by the time the tyres touch down at Heathrow. So we'll uh, enjoy the flight back because that's the... I hope she makes the most of it and cracks <laughs> open a few bottles en route down. It's going to be savage from day one. At least she won't be blamed like Major was, who you mentioned, for bringing about the downfall of uh, her predecessor. That was always difficult for Major to handle. So she won't have that. Every incoming Prime Minister, James, commentators will say this has been the worst inheritance since um, King Alfred. But in this case, it, it is awful and very troubling for her. So I don't think she's going to have that space that you normally do have to enjoy the job. And of course, it, it occurred to me when you made that, you were listing your points, that actually those who have fought and managed to achieve their own mandates, the last two were John Major in 1992, fantastic, and, and Theresa May in 2017. I mean, in fact, for John Major, it went sour within almost weeks with Black Wednesday, Britain's objection of the ERM, and he never found his footing for his last almost five years till 97, and Blair blew him away on the 1st of May. And Theresa May, again, it, it went wrong. It was just awful, winning to the extent she did win in 2017, losing 
the Cameron majority. So, you know, whichever way you look, it's going to be hard. That doesn't mean that she can't do a good job and govern with credit, but very difficult taking over from such a big personality. You've written on on Cameron, on May, and you're now writing on, on Johnson. What kind of post-premiership do you think he will have? You know, you've already had allies of his, kind of Lord Marlon, popping up, suggesting that he might he might have another crack at number ten. I mean, how much of a problem do you think he will be for his successor? I don't think he will to her, because I think him and the ultras, uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg and the Dean. Doris, etc. Don't blame her, they blame Rishi Sunak. I don't think it will be in his interest to do that. Thatcher blamed Major. She thought that Major didn't come out strongly enough when everyone was crumbling in November 1990. I don't think it will be like that, but I think by the very fact of Boris Johnson walking and breathing, he will create problems for her because she is not Boris Johnson. She's many things, has many qualities, but she doesn't have that enormous feel-good persona. And people will make unfavorable comparisons, even though I don't think he'll choose to make life difficult. What will he do? Talk is, I'm sure it's right, that he will try and finish Shakespeare, then he'll write his memoirs. He clearly has a lot of money to, um, to pay for the house in Herne Hill. You know, young children, and he's never quiet, Boris, is he? I mean, you know, all the way through Eton, Oxford, MP, Spectator, City Hall, he's never been quiet. It's inconceivable that he's going to buy himself a shepherd's hut in Herne Hill <laughs> and sit at the bottom of the garden and write his books. He will be popping up. Wouldn't it be great if he did something in Ukraine, an ambassador's role there if that's what he wanted to do if that's what he was offered she will need to find something to keep that feverishly busy mind that he has actively involved and that will serve her well and Anthony, when you look at this I think probably no one in this country knows more than, than you do about what makes a prime minister successful or not what would be the top three things on that flight back from Balmoral that the Prime Minister should be thinking about? Be honest on the doorstep and and realistic about the challenge when she makes that speech outside number 10. Churchill was always honest and realistic about the challenges of all great Prime Ministers. Secondly, have a plan and stick to it. And that was part of Boris Johnson's significant problem once Brexit was done she will have to have it be largely written for her. And then, despite the fact almost anyone in this country would fall over backwards to serve in her number 10 or in her cabinet or be appointed to different jobs around her, most prime ministers are very bad appointers. And if she can be realistic and always, not just on the doorstep, but always honest about the challenges, if she can have that clear plan, which is the right plan and stick to it, and if she can appoint and support people without interfering, and she needs to go on holidays, she needs to take weekends off, she needs to spend time with her children, she will serve nobody by being hyperactive. 
if you can do those things, James, it won't guarantee success, but it will increase the prospects of success. Anthony, when, when is your Boris book going to be out? Are you going to beat his memoirs hey, on the shelves? Well, of course, it depends, James. If he comes back as, as prime minister, then I'm going to have to uh, <laughs> delay it. But assuming that he doesn't, it'll be in the spring. I just want to assimilate a lot of interesting, good books on him coming out this autumn. I want to really digest those and, and stand back and reflect on what has been a really extraordinary three years and just try and get some perspective in my mind in it. So next spring. Brilliant. Anthony, thank you so much. That was fantastic. Thanks, James. And thank you for listening. And if you want to hear more about what British politics is going to be like after Boris, come to our live recording of Coffeehouse Shots on the 13th of September with Andrew Neil, Fraser Nelson, Katie Balls, Kate Andrews and myself. You can buy tickets at spectator.co.uk forward slash after Boris. And we'd be absolutely delighted to see you there. Thank you all so much for listening and hope to see you on Tuesday next. <laughs> <laughs>